Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 100 Straight Podcast. Today, I'm once again joined by Nick as a co-host, and we have the pleasure of talking to Mr. Trey Wilburn from Kentucky. Trey, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you two guys? I'm doing good. Doing just fine. Well, Nick, you usually get us started off if you want to go ahead and get it rolling. Yeah, we'll start off with one of the easier questions. It's generally what we ask, the first question we ask all of our guests. Um, how did you get started shooting, and did you have kind of a mentor whenever you started? Well, I got started shooting crap in 2007. A couple guys I worked with at Merrill Lynch were shooting trap and invited me to go, and I asked them what trap was. I'd never heard of it. I'd grown up dove hunting and quail hunting, but never heard of trap. And they took me on a Friday afternoon, and the next day they had ATA registered shoot, and I went and shot and fell in love with it. Um, had a couple older guys at my home club in Virginia where I lived at the time that I wouldn't say they were my mentors, but they gave me a couple, couple of tips. Um, there were nobody shooting doubles at my club, so I kind of learned that on my own. You ever hear from old Clay Floyd anymore? I ain't heard his name in years. Yeah, we talked a couple weeks ago. He's shooting a little bit on the east coast of Virginia. I don't know if he's going to travel again or not, but uh, both his parents passed away, and he's running uh, the business that they all had together. So I don't, he just hadn't had time to travel like he used to. I know whenever I first started, that was the man to beat going to every shoot. You see his name at every shoot, he'd be at the top. I don't know if you ever, you ever been to a shoot he's been to, Jay? No, I think I guess you know he was a little before my time. I, I mean, I, I've seen the name in trap and field and stuff, but I, I don't know him personally, and I don't know how many shoots I've been to that he's been at. Jack, you probably haven't been any. any. I think he stopped in 2016 was the last time he start stopped traveling. We traveled together in 2015 and 16, and then uh, his dad passed away, and and he had to go full time back to work. Well, uh, I know over the years when you've been shooting, you've shot, you know, several different gun brands. So what all have you shot over the years? Because obviously you've shot them all well. And what kind of has led you to the blazer that you're shooting now? Well, I started with an XT Browning. Uh, shot the XT Browning 32-inch over and under for everything the first couple years I shot. And then I progressed to a Craig Off KX5. Uh, shot it for a while then i went to a polar standard combo set back in 2011 um funny story on that gun we were had a shoot at my home club and i broke 99 in singles missed the 98th target broke 97 in handicap had two blooper shells that didn't go off that cost me two birds that was from 27 yard line then I turned around and broke 100 straight in doubles for my first 100 straight. Guy walked up to me and said, man, I like that gun. What would you sell it for? I said, I'm not interested in selling it. He said, I'd really like to buy that gun. I paid like 10 5 at the time for it. I said, give me 14000 is yours. Well, he kind of just walked off, and I said, well, good. I'm glad he didn't buy it. We go in to eat lunch. <clears throat> About 30 minutes later, he comes in to Grocery bag sits down in front of me. I said, what's that? He said, it's $14,000, $100 bills. And my dad's sitting across the table. He said, sell him the gun. So that got me away from the best gun at the time I'd ever owned, the Kohler. 
So I went to an old KS5 that I shot for years, 2015 when I made All-American Team, 16 when I made All-American Team. I shot it for handicap and singles, and I shot the old XT Browning for doubles. Um, what has led me to Blazer is my good friend, Joey Charnigo out of Ohio. I called him last winter and said, hey, man, I'm looking at making a change. I need to get something that I can stick with. And he said, try a Blazer. And so I did actually in Sporting Clays, loved it. Then I got a combo set, and uh, it just fits. I, that's all I can say. The trigger on it is amazing. I love the gun. Uh be hard, hard to pry me away from it now. So you're saying if I offered you $14,000, you wouldn't sell it to me right now? No, I would not. If you offered me 20000 maybe. But I have Obviously two of them. Obviously, you didn't so learn from your there. first mistake. Yeah, yeah. No, that I'm gonna be honest. That was a I regret selling that gun a lot of times. Um, you know, one of the things, you know, money meant more than my shooting at that time, so that's just how it played out. I wasn't traveling at the time. I think it was two thousand ten or eleven that happened. I hadn't gone to any you know, not never been to the grand anything like that. I'd gone to maybe a North Carolina state shoot, South Carolina state shoot in the zone down in North Carolina, but that's all I'd ever been to. I hadn't really traveled much until, until 2015. Well, I know on the Blazers, you know, you can change barrels out and everything. And Joe Charnego said on a podcast he did with the Trap Talk that he shoots his over-under for everything. So are you shooting your over-under for everything too, or do you have a unsingle, or, or what's that look like? I've got an unsingle that I use for singles and handicap. I've actually been experimenting just shooting over and under for everything. Uh, I know what happened to Joe was, you know, last year at Ohio State Troop, shoot, he had a problem with his unsingle. Um, something broke on it, so he went to the over and under and just tore it up. And I think that might be why he made the switch. Um, the good thing about the Blazer is, you know, they have – you can put a 410 barrel on it, 28 gauge, 20 gauge. They all fit the same receiver. Um, I've got the sporting clays barrels. I can switch out one thing and then use it. My gun is sporting clay or trap, either one. Uh, yeah, and kind of building on to that, you obviously shoot a precision fit stock with that. So, you know, what what made you choose a precision fit stock as opposed to like a more traditional Winnig or something like that when you're looking for something that was custom fitted? Well, I had it happened at the Southern Grand in 2015. I was shooting down there and my wood stock broke. And I was shooting with Clay Floyd and Clay shoots a precision fit stock. And I gave him a bunch of crap for years saying, oh, it looks like a prosthetic leg. It's the ugliest thing in the world. I never shoot one. Well, my stock broke, couldn't find a stock fit my gun. Uh, Vern Brown, who owned PFS at the time, was there. He said, hey, Trey, try this. You know, you don't have to pay me for it right now. If you like it, we'll work something out. And it felt weird at first, but once I got it set up after a couple of days, I shot it great. Um, never gone away from it. Maybe once or twice I went back to a wood stock. Uh, but, you know, it's been a great Great fit for me because I tend to gain weight and then lose weight. 
So with the capability of moving everything around on the stock, it's easy to get it back, fit back for you where you want it. Where a wood stock, even with an adjustable comb on a wood stock, you still don't have all the movement that you do with the PFS. So that's why I've stuck with it now that um, Bob Schultz and Target Shotguns own the company. They've been good to me and uh, taking care of everything for me. The only regret I have, I put Keith Ditto in one of those. I was the idiot that did that. Yeah, there may be some people that wish he didn't have that stock. He's He burns I, them up. Yeah, I've been cussed out a lot for that. <laughs> well, I think uh, you could give that man a 20 gauge and he would break more than I could. Yeah, he's going to break pretty much anything you throw in front of him. Well, with your precision fit, do you have the recoil? Is it pretty loose? Does it move a lot, basically, when you're shooting, or, or is it pretty stiff? Mine's pretty stiff. I've got it. Um, so the way we set them up, it's like we go half turns from his, from a dead steel, like a wood stock where it won't give. And mine's set at, at three turns, total turns out. I think Keith's two and a half or three out. So it gives just a little bit, but not a lot. Um, what I found with that stock, and, and I've explained it to everybody, if you go to big shoots like all of us do and you shoot, you know, 12, 1500 targets in four or five days, you're just wore out. Um, with the PFS, you don't get beat up as bad. And I think it helps mentally, you know, just keep you strong the last two events on Sunday. You know, I noticed when I shot a Woodstock come Saturday and Sunday, man, I was wore out and I didn't care what was going on. I was ready to leave. But once I put the PFS on, you know, I was still standing there happy to be there, not worried about anything on the final day. And Keith and me have talked about that a lot because I told him the same thing. I said, you're going to have to give it a thousand shots to get used to it. And then when you go to your first big shoot, just see how you feel the last day versus how you would with a Woodstock. And I'm not knocking wood stock. Um, I actually have a wood stock right now that I'm trying that was made for me. Um, but I'm going to shoot the PFS once the season starts. What what exactly did they use inside of it for like the recoil system? Do you know? You got let's see, it's 180 beveled washers, 90 on each side of a rod that goes through it and they are facing each other so they just compress and that's what that's what the system is that's it just beveled washers on a rod and you know it's got a compression mechanism in it and it, it compresses and it just gives and you have it give so much you can't feel anything go off um and i tried that for a while but it, i just kept popping my head off the stock with all that movement so that's why I tightened it down to three turns. I always heard it was a front shock off of a four pinto. So thank you for clearing that up for me. <laughs> They're not the prettiest thing in the world. And if you, you guys have seen mine with the baseball grip tape and everything else on it, you know, I would like to have it pretty, but I'm more about functionality than anything. Yeah. Well, kind of sticking with the equipment aspect of everything. Do you still shoot comp and chokes? I do. Uh, I will shoot comp and chokes till the end of days i love them yeah well i'm also a big fan of them too so to you know people who might not be as familiar with them could you kind of tell us why you think they're better and what sets them apart from other chokes well with the original ones that had the slits in them um 
what I noticed was it gave you a really hot core with your shot string. And I don't, I'm not sure how to explain a hot core. I just know that, you know, when I hit a target with a comp and choke and I hit it right, there's nothing. I mean, there's no pieces. There, It's just absolutely a smoke ball. And I'd never had that with any other choke. And, you know, I'd had the titanium Craig off chokes, all the different types of chokes you could have. If I tried them, uh, comp and choke, just those original chokes were absolutely unbelievable. Then I tried the arc and I really like it. Um, I've noticed that they pattern really well. I don't do a lot of pattern stuff, hardly at all. I just shoot targets and, and go off what my eyes tell me on how I'm hitting it. Um, but what I've noticed is you don't have a lot of flyers when I put it on paper. They're all, you know, within the 30-inch circle that we want, all the pellets are there. I didn't find any outside of it. Um, and that's what you want when you're shooting anything, birds, live birds, or targets. You know, you want to have a really good pattern with no holes in it. Yeah, one of the things I've noticed about the ARC series opposed to the old uh, ported kind is they're a whole lot easier to keep clean. Them ports would catch a lot of the plastic. Oh, yeah. The the, the, the ports, I mean, you know, still great choke, but you're always cleaning them and you're always gotten to clean the, the foul off the barrel and off the bead and everything else. It It's just very time consuming. Um, and, and that's that's the reason I went to the ARC, actually. Um, just cleaning alone is just a lot better. They pattern, I couldn't tell any difference in the pattern between the two. I do think that the slitted ones give you a little hotter core than the arcs, but overall, they're both great chokes. And what constrictions are you using when you're shooting? I use the 30,000 and singles and a handicap. And I usually shoot 25. In the bottom barrel and 30,000 top barrel doubles, I'm trying to open up just the hair and shoot 20 and 25. Um, I've just been a proponent of full and full. That's what I shot in my Browning. That's what I shot in every other gun. You know, my thought is you either you're going to hit them or you're going to miss them. I don't think opening up a choke is going to get you any birds. Um, if you're off, you're off, you know. Yeah, well, on a yeah. first bird of doubles, that's, that's pretty tight. You ought to be smoking that thing. Well, when I hit them, I do. But, <laughs> but but that first target's where I miss. When I miss, it's usually a first target because I'm pretty aggressive on it. And I was always told that when you're shooting your best doubles, your misses will come on your first target. Um, I think in doubles, your first target sets up everything, sets up your timing to your second target. And once you get it down, you know, it makes the game a lot easier. But I'll shoot also shoot nines on my first shot or eight and a half. I don't shoot seven and a half or eights on my first shot of doubles. So I'm throwing a lot of lead out there. Do you feel like that gives you any kind of advantage shooting the smaller shot size or just? I do. I do on the first shot. Um, you know, I've experimented. Me and Keith have both experimented a lot with one ounce on the first shot. I know he's shooting one ounce eights on his. Um, when I can find eight and a half and one ounce, I will shoot that on the first shot of doubles. But most of the time, it's an ounce and an eighth, eight and a half or nines. I just the number of pellets going out there is is so much more than a seven and a half or eight. Um, 
you know. I've um, tried the ounces for a couple a couple rounds, and uh, it just seemed like, well, I guess where I was so used to that ounce and eighth recoil and everything, it just seemed like it threw my shot time and off to that second target. So I never could really get into just shooting an ounce on that first shot. Well, I think it's like anything else. I, You know, I think, Nick, if you'd have shot 20 rounds that way, you might have liked it. But I'm the same way. I'm used to recoil, and it sets me up for that second shot. So that's why, you know, ounce and eighth, Every bit of lead I can get out there, I'm going to throw at it. And I've the nines, I mean, you can shoot nines and singles and break them if you wanted to. But I know on a first shot of doubles, because I spot shoot it, you know, nines or eight and a half are what I prefer. I'm one of those people that if I don't see results in the first couple of times, I just could re- resort to going back to what I know works. Well, no, and, and that's what you should do. Whatever works for you is what you should shoot. And when I try to help people or teach them, you know, everybody's different. The way I shoot is not going to work for anybody else. They've got to find out what works for them, and and that's the way you shoot. I mean, me and Keith talk a lot, and me and Clay Floyd talk a lot about how we shot and the differences and where our hold points and all those things. But, you know, I'm 6'3". I can't give somebody a hold point that's 5'10 because it's going to be different. You know, I have a different look over the house than they do. All you can do is kind of give them an area to hold in on on that. And so it's just like you said, what works for you is what you got to stick with. Unless somebody's paying you a lot of money to shoot their gun or their chokes, then you change. Well, you were talking about you spot shoot that first bird on doubles. I'm assuming by you saying that you're a two-eyed shooter? Yes, sir. I am. So on... uh Singles and handicap, are you kind of holding high, too, like on doubles, or are you down on the house? I'm actually down on the house in singles and handicap. I, I do it opposite of what I do in doubles, and it's goofy. Um, I've never been what I would say a great handicap shooter. I'll throw a great score out there, but, you know, I chase everything down in singles and handicap. Well, you know, something else – again kind of equipment related that i noticed about your shooting is you shooting a vest as opposed to a lot of people who will just have a a shell pouch out there so do you think shooting in a vest gives you a more consistent gun mount or is there any kind of particular reason you shoot in a vest well actually the first year i ever shot in a vest was last year um i'm usually just like everybody else with shell pouch but i went to the vest because the gun mount it sticks in the same place every time um, I'm trying right now to do it again without a vest because it's so hot and I'm so fat. I sweat to death in a vest and that's just, I hate them, but you know, I tried it to grand after I shot in a vest all year last year, one day and it, I got eat up. I mean, I couldn't even hardly hold the gun on my shoulder because I was used to that pad. Um, but I, I think it's, you know, vest or no vest gun mount kind of plays into everything. And you guys know that as much as you shoot. I mean, that right there is the first thing people need to learn is to mount the gun correctly. Maybe you can get hooked up with Aaron and get you one of them uh, vest sponsorships like he's got. No, that's all right. I'm good. (laughs) I got a couple of them. I'm good. You got to be in the business to get other sponsors, man. We're not in the business. Well, being on Team Blazer, you got to be in the business a little bit. Yeah, I I got really lucky there. You know, um, 
Joe went to bat for me. Uh, the new guy that's running the program now, I met him up in Ohio for a couple of days. Um, I didn't get anything for free. Um, they've been good to me so far. You know, I love the product. You know, I'm not good enough to jump back and forth and switch and all that. I mean, I feel like I can shoot any gun, but I really like the blazer and what I like about it is the trigger. Now, it's taken me a while to get used to it because the lock time on it is so fast compared to anything else I've ever shot. It's just a different animal. You know, if I think about pulling the trigger, it's already gone off. And I noticed I was like breaking a lot of the targets in the back, off the back, off the back, because all my other triggers had a little bit of play in them and this one doesn't. I mean, you, when I think pull the trigger, it's already gone. So uh, it, it's been a, it's taken me a while to get used to it. Well, whenever we see you out there with one of them Lexus Pros or whatever the fancy blazer is, we know you made the big time with them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I actually was supposed to be getting one in the summer, but we'll see if I get it or not. Is that what it is? Is it a Lexus Pro? I don't even know what it's called. Uh, Grand Lexus or Luxus. L-U-X-U-S, Grand Luxus. It's got the quail on both sides of it. Um, I ordered one in, I don't know, September of 22, and it's taken them like 10 or 11 months to get it. So who knows if I ever get it. If I do, great. If I don't, it's all right. You've seen my gun. It looks like a pogo stick, that old KS5 I shot. So I'm obviously not about looking good. Hey, nothing wrong with it, way it looks, as long as you shoot it good. Hey, that's what I've told everybody, you know. They they used to make fun of me at all the big shoots. What's that pogo stick? I'm like, well, I'm breaking scores with it. I'm not going away from it. And I still have that gun. And I will always have that gun. And I always have a XP Browning to shoot doubles with if I need to. No reason to have an $80,000 gun if you can't shoot it. No. I, look, all of them will break it. Either you can break them or you can't. Yes, the right gun fit, all that can help. But, you know, breaking targets is about seeing them and putting the shot where you need to. It's not about the gun you're shooting. And I don't mean that in a disparaging way towards anybody. You know, if I had the extra money to have a gold inlaid and all that, I'd have one. I just, um, I'd rather put it in shells and get to shoot a lot more. A couple of years ago at the Kentucky Aim Shoot, I watched a kid break a 200 with a Mossberg pump. So that just goes to show that you can break targets with just about anything if you put your mind to it. Yeah, you can. I mean, so the best way I can explain that is, I don't know if you guys know what a Super X1 is. Nick, you probably do. Jack, I don't know if you know what a Super X1 is. But I won the uh, FETAS Kentucky State Championship two years ago with a Super X1 trap gun. I'd never shot it. It was raining. And I wasn't going to get anything out that was good to shoot in it. So I just pulled this gun out and said, I'm going to shoot. And I shot it and loved it. And actually, it's probably one of the best trap guns out there. I can't remember. Somebody told me somebody shot one for years in Kentucky. I don't remember who it was. I know Keith shot one for a while when he was a kid. But um, look, if you can point it and it shoots where you look, you ought to be able to break targets no matter what it is. Yeah, I know. Uh, I've heard stories about you talking about somebody from Kentucky. Pete McCall shot one forever. That's who it was. Pete shot one. And, I, you know, I only met Pete once, but. I know that they're a great gun. I still got that gun, you know. And it's, guess what kind of choke it's got? Compton choke. The guy I got it from had, he lives in Georgia, knows those guys 
they confiscate real well. He had them thread the barrel, and that's what I was shooting. Um, every gun I have now has confiscates. Yeah, well, that kind of talking about fatas kind of segues into my next question I got for you. And I know you shoot a lot of sporting clays. So do, how do you think that helps you with your trap shooting? Or do you think sporting do you think sporting clays helps you with trap and traps help you with sporting clays? I mean, or do you think they're just two completely different games that don't really relate to each other? Well, I'll tell you why I shoot sporting clays is to get away from trap. So I usually start shooting sporting clays uh, middle of September, end of September after trap season's over with. And I shoot all winter just to keep a gun in my hands. You know, it also, sporting clays helps me move the gun. You know, there's a lot more movement in sporting clays than there is in trap. But it's just looking at targets. Um, sporting clays gives you a lot of different variations, and it keeps your eyes sharp. So when you come back to trap, you know, that hard right off of five or the hard left off one doesn't look as hard. It doesn't look like it's going to get away from you as quick. So that's, you know, I enjoy sporting clays for fun. You know, I'm sort of competitive in it. I'm not in, in state. I am. Um, I went to one big shoot and learned that I'm not as good as I thought I was in sporting clays, but I think they can both help. It's just looking at targets and recognizing what they're doing. Um, I just think having a gun in your hands is the most important thing. I know a lot of guys take time off, but I know Ricky Markle shoots a lot of sporting clays through the winter. He doesn't tell a lot of people that, but I know he does. Joe Tarnigo shoots a lot of sporting clays in the winter. Um, so I just think it's keeping a gun in your hands and, and seeing targets. What class are you in sporting clays? And can you kind of explain the different classes and like how they're measured and stuff? Yeah, so it's sort of like trap. So what a triple A would be in traps, master class in sporting clays. And then you go double A is the same as double A. A, A, B, B, C, C, D, D. And then there's an E class and, and um, sporting clays. When I first shot sporting clays, it was actually up here in Kentucky. It was 2015. I read the rule book and you're supposed to classify one class under whatever you were in trap. And it just happened to be that year I ended up with like a 97.97 in single, so I was double A. So I classified as A in sporting clays. Um, I think it took me a year to get to master class. It's kind of like our handicap system. They call them punches. If you win your class with three people in it, you get a punch. If there's nine or more, you get two punches. So it'd be like a half yard and a yard in handicap. And there's a certain number of punches for each class it takes you to move up. Um, that's how it works. Um, I'm probably a really, really good double-A shooter in sporting clays. I probably complete, could compete nationally at double-A. In master class, I cannot. I mean, it's just a different game than what we do. I am master class, but I, I don't consider myself competitive and sporting clays at the highest levels. Have you tried your hand at skeet yet much? No, thank you. I have shot maybe 15 rounds. Um, that's all I'll say. I don't, I don't know a lot about skeet. The only time I've ever tried it, I'm shooting full and full. So it, it moves a little slow for me. I think it could be good for practice, for moving your gun, but it's just not something that I've really uh, tried much. I ain't never tried it, but I did wake up early 
back to whenever the Olympics was going on and watched it on TV. And it was actually pretty entertaining. You wouldn't think that would be much of a spectator sport. It may just be where from a, I'm from a shooting background, but it was pretty entertaining to watch at three o'clock no, in the morning or whatever time it was. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I'm not gonna say it's an easy sport. It's not. Um, you know, there's some nuances there that I don't know, but it. You know, I, I think I got ruined. I shot one time and it shot with some guys that. That's all they shot. They didn't shoot anything else, and they didn't like trap shooters. And um, it took us like 45 minutes to shoot 25 targets apiece, and I was going out of my mind. So that probably left a bad taste in my mouth. Was I couldn't imagine taking four hours to shoot 100 targets. Well, Trey, we've obviously kind of touched on this earlier, but, I mean, you're a phenomenal double shooter, and we've talked about, you know, your equipment and stuff you use for a doubles, but – in terms of your thought process, do you have any sort of pre-shot routine or anything you do in doubles that kind of gets you ready to to shoot, you know, shoot well? Well, I always try to watch the squad in front of me shoot, and it's more about seeing what the targets are doing and how they're set. Um, and then I just concentrate on the first target. Um, I'm a big proponent of the first target sets up everything for the second target. I think doubles is completely a timing game. Um, You know, if you break the first target in the same spot every time, most of the time you're going to get to break the second one in the same spot. And and that's what I concentrate on. Um, And it's something that I've talked to Matt Bartholo about quite a bit is trying to slow that second target down with your eyes. You know, you want it to look like it's moving in slow motion. And that's something that um, really in all three disciplines is a big deal. I know that he talked to me a lot about that in singles and handicap, and I've never really thought about it like I do doubles. And I shot some scores last year, and, and somehow the target looked like it was moving in slow motion for me. And I think that's what makes Keith as great as he is. He's figured it out. And it just, and the only way I can explain it the same way he explains it is think about going down a road and the trees are just whizzing by you, but you can slow them down if you look at one and just concentrate on it and they'll slow down. So, you know, doubles is timing for me. Um, I love to shoot doubles. It's my favorite thing by far. And I guess that's why I might be decent at it. Um, I practice doubles. A lot of people don't. So when I practice doubles, I'll go shoot two or 300 doubles and won't shoot anything else. And it's all about making my – breaking the first bird where I want to and then making my eyes get to the second target and slowing it down so I can break it. Well, you were talking about, you know, you think breaking a first bird obviously sets, sets you up for that second bird. And, I, you know, ever since I've been shooting in doubles – people have told me, you know, you kind of want to set your body up for the, for the second target, maybe twist a little, be a little more uncomfortable on that first target. Would you agree with that? Or do you think you need to be more comfortable on that first target? That way you can get to that second target a little faster. I think you cheat just a little bit, but I don't want anybody standing uncomfortably on that first target. I I think you can maybe, you know, open up to the second target just a hair but not a lot. I know that uh, Dylan Tosh, he he has a different thought process on that because me and Dylan shot together a lot. And uh, I just don't, I don't like the big twist 
and make yourself uncomfortable on a first target, I think you need to be comfortable on both. But it's it's, it's a preference to each shooter. It, it's what you learn and what works for you. You know, again, that goes back to what works for me at 6'3", probably ain't going to work the same for a guy 5'7", or 5'8". It's just not. Um, you know, where I hold my gun, how I hold my gun, how I move to the bird, it, it's just a different game for each person. It's, it's very individualistic. That's a big word, Nick. Don't get confused. Yeah, I'm over here scratching my head trying to figure out what it means. You're talking about practicing doubles a lot. I, You know, I haven't seen anybody that practices as much doubles as Nick does or just practices in general. You know, he, he burns up the practice trap. Hey, you I've never, I've never seen you there. practice. <laughs> I don't shoot much. I really don't have time for it, but I get the itch every once in a while and decide to shoot a little practice. I actually shot 50 with Jack the other day. Well, that's awesome. I mean, the person that practices is Keith Ditto. I mean – he texted me two or three times a week. I've shot 50 singles, 50 handicap, and either 50 or 100 doubles. But that's why he's good as he is, you know. I practice whenever I get the chance. I try to shoot at least 50 targets of each discipline a week. Um, you know, it doesn't happen that way in the winter. But I try, you know. I know well, I, I was going to say I broke 45 out of 50 singles and, and Nick broke 46. But I ain't never seen two people break twenty threes and twenty twos, but hit them that hard. I just gotta say that I'll probably edit that out. But man, we were smoking them twenty threes. Hey, that's a, let me tell you this. I had an old guy from Georgia one time tell me. He said I'd rather have a hundred Cheerios than ninety nine ink dots. Remember that. Kenny Knott told me a story one time. I think it was either at the zone or the Kentucky State shoot, and uh, you might know him. It's Craig Rojo Thistleway. You know yep. him. Yep. Um, him and Kenny was shooting on the same squad, and Kenny said he was he broke the first hundred, and I think he said he missed in the last box. But Rojo, he would he picked and poked and finally broke two hundred, and he said I'd much rather broke them his way than I had my one ninety nine the way I did. That's right. Hey, I'll take a broken target anyway I can get it, but I want to break it. I don't want anybody to give me one, but I, you know, the if one BB hits it and it falls in half. I'll take it. Uh, I broke a 200 down in South Carolina at their state shoot one year with Clay Floyd. And the last target, I was on post three. It was a straightaway. And I broke it in half. And it had to be a magic BB because I was 10 feet over it. I mean, it fell right in half. And Clay was dying laughing because he knew I'd missed it. And he had a 199. And he was just hoping I missed. But uh, I've had a lot of those. 45s and 46s out of 50 with a bunch of ink dots. Well, Trey, you've mentioned, you know, over the course of your shooting, you've shot with some really great shooters, you know, Clay Foy, Keith Ditto, you've mentioned Dylan Tosh. Uh, do you think shooting with those top shooters helps you to be better as a shooter or does it add a little bit more pressure to you? Both. Um, I'll give you a little background so you understand where I'm coming from on this. Nick, you kind of know my background. I played minor league baseball in the Reds organization for, I don't know, almost six years out of high school. And then I went back and played college basketball, played some professional golf. Uh, every time I've tried something or done something, I want to get pe people around me that are better than me. I want to learn from them. But I also want to get my brains beat out a little bit because I'll get mad and I'll try harder. Um, that's just how I'm built, you know, 
I'm tired of getting beat by Keith Ditto. I'll be honest. I love him like a brother, but he's beaten my brains out for three years. I'm sick of it. I'm going to work hard. Starting probably middle of February, I want to catch him. I may never catch him, but I'm going to try. I've just learned in in my experiences, if you surround yourself with people that are better than you, you're either going to get better or you're going to quit. And it's up to you which one you do. Um, you know, I shot with Ricky Marshall one time at the Ohio State shoot. He beat the absolutely living daylights out of me in singles and handicap. But I beat him in doubles. I got hot. Um, he he brings it up every time we see each other. You know, it's just one of those things. I think competition is good. And I can't remember if iron sharpens iron or steel sharpens steel. But I always want to shoot with the best people I can. And, you know, if I lose, that's, that's on me. It's not on them. It's on me. Um, I just like to compete. So does it make it harder and make me nervous? Yeah, I mean – you know, you shoot with the big boys, you know if you miss, you're out basically in any of the three. But where else do you want to be? You know, I don't – I enjoy the social aspect of trap shooting and sporting clays, but I go to compete. You know, people say that I'm too competitive, but that's what I'm there for. You know, when we get done – and Nick knows this about me. We get done, we'll BS, we'll have a great time hanging out and talking. But when during the shoot, I'm there to shoot. Yeah, well, uh, talking about the different shoots and shoot-offs and stuff, what are some shoots you've got on your schedule to attend this year? Well, at this point in time, I'm going to go try the Southern Grand again, which why I'm going to go beat myself up down at Silver Dollar, I don't know. But I've had some really good shoots down there and had some awful ones, but I'm going for business. I have clients to see down there that whole week, so I'm I'm going to shoot while I'm down there, kind of just a warm-up thing. Then I'll probably go to South Carolina, um, the U.S. Open, Ohio, Kentucky. I think I'm going to shoot the zone this year. I've heard it's going to be three days is all, which uh, will be better. I was going to go to Indiana, but I think I'm going to stay and shoot the zone since it's so close to the house. And then shoot the Grand and maybe the Cardinal. You know, I've worked full time, so I got to pick and choose. I'd like to go to 10 or 12 shoots, but I just, I can't do it. You know, I'm going to squeeze in seven, maybe eight, but those would be the ones I would go to. Do you ever go back to the Virginia State shoot any? I can't. Same time as Kentucky. You know, it's the exact same time. Um, and to be honest, you know, since Clay's not shooting a lot, Virginia's never been a big trap shooting state. There's been a few good guys come out of there. Um, but they have a great state shoot. It's a good time, but it's just not the same as Kentucky. I mean, we all know when you come to Kentucky, anybody can win. And a lot of people we don't know can win. They just show up and they can win. Um, I tell everybody we throw the best targets, but it's the hardest shoot you can go to. I've always felt like shooting at Berea for the state shoots almost like shooting at the Grand. If you can win up there, you can win at the Grand. Yeah, you can. Well, I mean, what was it? Last year we had 30-some All-Americans. Maybe the year before we had that many. If you look at all the classes and everything, I mean, you go there, it's a mini Grand. You better break every target because, I mean, you miss, you're out. You got Aaron, Keith. Colson, golly, 
Danny Ryan. Uh, you know, there's just a ton of guys in Kentucky alone that can shoot, including you two. I mean, you just never know who's going to break them. And there's definitely a long list of out-of-staters that come, too, for all the people that do try to come there and get points there. I mean, they, they can't miss either. The competition is just a step on the out-of-state side as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, back when I first moved up here, you know, I shot with uh, Garrett Sweeney and that crew out of Tennessee. Nick, they're all about your age, aren't they? And maybe a little younger than you. But, you know, every time I walked out with them, you didn't have a chance to miss. I mean, they were breaking 200s and hundreds in doubles. And, you know, it doesn't matter. It's to the point now in Kentucky, if you miss, you're out. Handicap's going to be a 99 or 98 in every event. It You know, it's just got to be that way because we throw great targets. I mean, those targets are, are, are as good as anywhere in the country. I kind of hit on this with another one of our guests. I can't really specify. I can't really think of which one it is, but – um, Missouri pretty much has the same layout we do, and I just can't figure out how it's so much different there than it is at Kentucky because you think it would be about the same because it's the same setup, but I just never could figure it out really. I went to Missouri once, and it was last year to their state shoot. Um, I don't know, man. Me and Keith Ditto talked about this. The first three or four days, the targets were soft. They weren't getting to 50 yards, and then start Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they were going 60 yards. And we couldn't figure out – they said they weren't doing anything different to traps or anything. It just – I just – I couldn't get a couldn't get a lock on them out there. Um, great place to go. I mean, nice people, but it's just a – that's a different place to shoot. You know, it's just like going to Silver Dollar in Florida. You never know what you're going to get down there. You don't want to carry a big average because you're not going to have it when you leave. Yeah, there's been several times I went to Florida. I had to wind up shooting three drams on Saturday because the wind was blowing so hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I thought it was funny. One of the first times we ever went to Florida, I was starting, and I I didn't really know what we were doing, and I think I got a punch to maybe the 23-yard line. So, I mean, I, I wasn't that far back, but for some reason, somebody told me that we needed a bigger shell. So we go up to the counter and they said, well, we need a bigger shell for handicap. What'd you got? They said nitro 27s. So I'm, you know, 13, 14 years old and walk out there to nitro 27s on my 23 yard handicap. And I break a 97. I'm like, well, this is awesome. I'm going to shoot these shells for everything. So I walk out there with Saturday singles with nitro 27s in my, shell pouch and i'm just gonna say on 16 yards that's the only time i've ever shot a 1235 because that was a one day event as a one and done thing on the 16th yeah i understand i'll tell you what my story that i tell everybody about down there i went to the dixie grand in january when they had it down there one year and i was the first flight out on the handicap sunday morning because i was flying out the first target I shot, I broke it, and the pieces blew back and almost hit me. That's how hard the wind was blowing. And I learned right then that you just never know down there. And the biggest shell you can carry out in handicap, you better carry it. Yeah, well, Nick, I'm out of questions. Do you have anything else? No, not really. Um, that's actually pretty interesting. I didn't know you. I didn't realize you played minor league baseball. Maybe you can put back up with the Reds and actually make them win more than 60 games this year? <laughs> no, I'm an old man. I'm an old man. It's a different game now. Um, 
Yeah, I played. I went out of high school, got signed, and they couldn't decide if I was a pitcher or catcher, so I pitched for a while, and then I caught a little bit. And, you know, I'm not sure I ever loved baseball. I just happened to be talented at it. Um, you know, my first love was basketball, but I was never tall enough. You know, 6'3 is not going to get it in big-time basketball. But uh, I think the baseball has helped me with my trap shooting, to be honest, and golf helped me with my trap shooting, you know, just – Golf and trap shooting are a lot of light on the mental as mental aspect of it, the mental side of the game. Um, you know, Jack, you brought up about routine earlier, and that's something that people don't do enough of in trap shooting. Um, I when I teach people, I, I teach them routine is everything. It gets your mind off of everything else if you're thinking about your routine. Because if your mind wanders out there on the line, you're going to miss the target. It's just it's just a fact. Uh, I tell people to dumb themselves down, be as dumb as you can on a trap line and go, oh, there's the target and then break it. You know, all your think thought process should be happening when you're practicing or before you walk out to shoot. You can't be thinking on a line or you're dead. Yeah, well, that's some pretty good advice because I know me and I'm, you know, there's countless others, you know, you're your own worst enemy out there, especially you know, on something like singles, you can really, you can really talk yourself out of one or two, or in my case, about five or six. No, you can. So there's a book. um, There's a famous sports psychologist that I, that I was friends with for years. And he wrote a book about golf. He's actually written five or six, but it's his first book that he wrote. It's called golf is not a game of perfect. And his name's Dr. Bob Rotella. And I tell everybody that I teach, I'm like, if you want to be serious about shooting, read this book, take everything that he says about golf, and just make it for shooting. And it really talks about routine, 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 routine. Um, And if you watch, I can do Keith Ditto's routine, and you guys would fall over laughing because everybody does. Even he laughs because I know exactly what he does every time he shoots. He does the same thing. Every time he shoots, he never changes. But he's taking his mind out of the game. It's just, you know, reaction. And that's what you got to do. If you watch Ricky Marshall, Harlan when he was shooting good, Leo, um, you know, all those guys have been doing it for years. They do the same thing every time. And it's to take their mind off of thinking the negative thoughts creeping in. I know whenever I went up to Minnesota and South Dakota that trip I went on one summer, um, I got to watch Pat Lamont shoot a lot, and he's one of the main people I think of whenever I hear same shot routine every time because, I mean, everything was just down to a T in the same order every time. And it's, honestly, it was kind of fascinating to watch just to see him do everything in the exact same order in the same amount of time and everything. And yeah. obviously it works for him because his scores show it. Yeah, I mean, Pat, uh, both Bartholo brothers, I'm I'm telling you, if you get a chance at the state shoot to watch Keith, it's the same thing. He never, never changes anything when he's on the line. Um, Aaron Willoughby does the same thing pretty much all the time. He he doesn't very, you know, get off his routine very often. Hank does it. Um, Hoots does it. You know, you don't you don't think they're doing it, but it, it's the same thing every time. We got to get. Out. I don't think that Aaron gets his gun to his shoulder before he calls pull. Sometimes he calls pull so quick. Oh, no, no. I don't see how he shoots that fast. I don't see how his eyes work that good. Because, I mean, he, like you said, he doesn't even have the gun halfway up and he's yelled pull. But he can shoot. 
You know, he's 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 dangerous and handicapped for sure. That whole squad's almost like that. I mean, they are pull bang, pull bang, pull bang, all five of them. Yeah, and they, they do. burn it up. They they go quick. They go quick. They I should have shot on get... Garrett Sweeney's squad, shouldn't he? He wants to know what oh quick's all about. That's the funniest story ever. I never shot with all those guys, and I mean, they were seventeen years old, and I was in my mid forties, and I went out there and shot with the first twenty five and singles, and I think we finished. The five of us finished in five minutes and ten seconds. Someone was timing us. And I walked back and was sweating. I said, boys, y'all got to slow down. I'm going to die. And, I mean, now I shot great with them every time I was shot because I didn't have time to think. But that was – it was work. Nick, you you saw. I mean, you knew how fast they shot. I never – in doubles, I couldn't even see where everybody was doing because I couldn't get my gun loaded fast enough. I never really get to shoot with them much, if at all. If I can't, I, my memory ain't as good as it used to be. But I shot on a squad with Lauren Mueller, Ethan Kerr, who was me, Dakota Walden, and Austin Day. And I think we shot a box of singles in just over six minutes. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it's it's a workout. But like you said, it's it's great in a sense because you don't really have time to think about anything else. The only thing you can really think about is the target because next thing you know, it's your shot. Because I mean, there ain't thirty seconds between shots. No, no. The next shot and everything. That's right. And that's what I'm being serious when I tell people you got to be dumb when you walk out there on a line. You know, and and I don't mean it disrespectful to any of the great shooters, but they've learned to dumb themselves down and all they're thinking about seeing that target and breaking it. And if you can do that and take any any other thought out of your mind, it's great. But how many times have we walked up and go, wow, man, I didn't mount the gun good or. You know, the beads don't look right or the wind's blowing or, you know, making excuses, whatever it is, you're setting yourself up to miss. And I can tell you right now, Heath picks the gun up, Ricky picks the gun up. All they're thinking about is see the target, break the target. And that's it. I know whenever, like whenever I'm shooting good, I really, honestly, I can't think that I don't think about anything. I just, I don't even listen to the music I have playing. I just... I'm just there in the zone, and it, I mean, it just works out. But like you said, you start making excuses, and you start thinking about the wind blowing. Is that target rising, or is it falling, or what am I going to eat for supper later? Like it That's just right. all works together, <laughs> and then you wind up missing targets. Yeah, and then you miss that first, and you're like, you dummy, and then you miss another one, and it's like, well, I've spent a lot of money to practice, and then you quit. And, uh, you know, I and I've done that. You know, I miss one, and I'm upset thinking about it, and miss another one right behind it. Um, it's just like, and that's that, that's why I tell people about that book that I, that I mentioned. Um, it really harps on routine and it it gives you kind of an inside look at the way sports psychologists teach people. Um, you know, at the highest levels of professional sports, everybody has a sports psychologist, you know, UK's basketball team has one on payroll. The football team has one on payroll. There's a reason that they're there. I have my own. My wife has a PhD in psychology, but she won't teach me. She says I'm too stubborn. I don't know if that's the cheap route or the more expensive route. You can be kind of the call on that one. More expensive. Well, Trey, something else I just thought of here. You know, you obviously a wealth of knowledge about trap shooting and, you know, a very good shot yourself. Have you ever thought about giving lessons and everything? I've actually taught a lot, um, a lot of kids in Virginia. I've, I've taught a few up here in Kentucky. Um, 
I enjoy teaching the kids that are starting or, or kids that are competing and want to get better. I enjoy that. Um, and I've taught some adults. What I've learned with an adults are um, it's hard to break habits and it's hard for adults to break habits. And I don't mean that in a mean way. It's, it's just hard. You know, um, I haven't taught the last few years, really hadn't had time to with work and stuff because the closest gun club I live near is Bluegrass down in Wilmore, Kentucky, which is an hour and five minutes away from me. So I've kind of backed off on that. Um, I enjoy teaching. You know, it's something that if I ever retire, I might do a little bit of. I've taught actually more sporting clays than anything. Um, but, you know, I talk more about once I get them out the gun correctly and everything I talk about to just seeing the bird, your eyes, and then the mental game. I mean, that's where it's at. If you got to have your eyes in the right place and you got to have your mind in the right place. And Nick, before you say it, yes, that's funny coming from me because I get so mad. But, you know, do as I say, not as I do. But I don't know, man. I've learned a lot from everybody. I think that I think you can take a little bit from everybody, but at the end of the day, you've, you're going to have to figure it out on your own, most of it, you know. And I'm going to tell you guys this, something I just figured out, and it's been the last two months. I've always shot a 15-inch stock and never thought about it. And I just changed to 15 and three-quarters of an inch. So I put three-quarters of an inch on my stock, and my handicap numbers are going up. So, Nick, you know I go to Hans and all these 100 bird races, right? I've broke 98, 98, 97, 97, 96 in the last three months with that longer stock. Shooting those 100 bird races. Sounds so, like if I start getting Saturdays off here soon, maybe I'll start buying you in the Calcutta. Well, I've been finishing second, tied for first with Hoots and Dyer at one and finished second Saturday. But there was a ton of 98s and a ton of 97s. Um, but gun fit, man, I never thought, you know, I just thought it fit and didn't know any better. And I got a buddy that builds stocks in Frankfurt, and uh, he kept saying, man, that gun looks too short for you when I shoot sporting clays with him. I'm like, nah, it fits good, man. I like what it fits. And one day he talked me into trying a longer stock, and I can't pick my head up now. It's unbelievable. I mean, I still miss, but when I miss, it's for other reasons. Um, but I'm a big proponent now of gun fit, making sure that you have the right length of pull because it makes a huge difference, at least it has for me. You heard it here first, Wilburn Custom Stocks coming soon. No. <laughs> I don't have the patience to make a stock. We'll get you into a PFS, and I'll fit you for that. That I can do. Well, well, I... Trey, we appreciate you having on here. I, I, I mean, y'all have anything else you want to talk about, I guess, before I should say that? No, I really appreciate y'all calling me and having me on here. And if there's anything I can do to help this, let me know. I'd love to. Um, I think it's great what you guys are doing. And it, it needs to be more of this done. If we're going to keep having trap shooting and, and grow the sport, this has got to be done. Guys, I appreciate it, man. I really do. If there's anything I can do to help y'all, let me know. Yeah, well, we appreciate you getting on here. It's been fun. I'm looking forward to putting this one out Wednesday morning. All right. Sounds good, man. Y'all take care. You too. See you. Right. Thank you, Trey. Bye -bye. See you. Yes, sir. Bye-bye.